Hello and welcome to another episode of Civil Rights University podcast. This is your host, Brian Leonard, author, attorney, adjunct professor, uh, and founder of Civil Rights University. Um, I have a great episode for you today. Um, just tell you a little bit about Civil Rights University podcast. Uh, each week we bring you um, new content that is relevant and useful. Um, to uh, those who are uh, fighting uh, on the side of civil rights and social justice as activists, um, uh, attorneys, civil rights attorneys and social entrepreneurs or anyone that would just like to learn more about uh, civil rights activism. This week's episode of Civil Rights University podcast, we're going to talk about how do you get involved in civil rights work? as an activist uh, or as an attorney or social entrepreneur? Um, how do you get started? Uh, what are the career paths? What are the different career paths that are available? Um, and, and what are some ways to sort of get insights into those career paths? And, and what are some advice that some of those who are already working in this space, um, what, what advice um, have they shared or is out there? Uh, to help you uh, to navigate, you know, what that looks like. Um, so, uh, again, we hope you uh, enjoy uh, this episode uh, on getting started as a civil rights activist, attorney, or social entrepreneur. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and again, if you want more information, as always, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast at uh, on uh uh, iTunes. Uh, you can listen on Spotify and also Google Podcasts. Uh, make sure again to subscribe and also make sure if you want more information like this to go to uh, www.civilrightsuniversity.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at University Civil. Again, follow us on Twitter at University Civil. And again, without further ado, here's um, uh, the episode of Civil Rights University podcast. Hello, once again, this is uh, Brian Leonard, uh, founder of Civil Rights University and the author of the book Movement Mentors, Dred Scott, Homer Plessy, Reverend Oliver Brown, Three Courageous Men, Their Landmark Cases, and Their Enduring Legacies. Um, I want to talk about today um, a subject that the ABA is done a, uh, I think the series started either early this year or late last year. I think the first one was late last year. But it started a series on a topic that I think is, is very, very interesting. And I've only gotten through about two and a, two and a quarter of the uh, series. It's a four-part series called The Civil Rights Lawyer. And I think they've got it divided into the first part deals with um, uh you know, in terms of you know, what is, you know, in terms of, I guess, the sort of current civil rights lawyer, what is that? Um, and it really uh, had folks that are sort of, you know, in that space right now. The second part dealt with 
sort of the, a lot of the historical, I guess, aspect and some of the more practical aspect too, because they had um, information. And, and by the way, it's, it's available on YouTube. It's the Civil Rights Social Justice section of ABA. Uh, but they talked about the social engineer piece uh, from, of course, the famous quote by the great, late, great uh, Charles Hamilton Houston, the architect of the legal strategy to dismantle Jim Crow as, as Dr. Greg Carr. Uh, indicated that uh, Thurgood Marshall, the late uh, former uh, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, uh, and head of the uh, NAACP Legal Defense Fund, said that you know, you know Charles uh, Charles Hampton Houston is the one that actually uh, killed Jim Crow. Uh, but and then so the third part deals with sort of doing well by doing good, uh, sort of the, which is a great piece about sort of the mental. Uh, and health and wellness aspect. And then the last one deals with, um, um, I think, sort of go- looking back. I think it's just looking back and leaning forward. Uh, but I wanted to talk about uh, the, uh, you know, well, it's one of the things they raised, one of the things I thought about, and one of the really the purposes of Civil Rights University. I mean, I think one thing particularly, and I guess this is for either, you know, young lawyers or, you know, young activists or, you know, not just young, but would-be lawyers, would-be activists, or would-be social entrepreneurs, is this idea of, okay, is it possible um, to, um, you know, to do this type of work? Um, And it is. And I think that's one of the things that you always see uh, is that it is possible to do this type of work. Um, But uh, so I want to sort of look at, you know, I guess today, you know, this idea of, you know, was it making a difference and a profit at the same time? And I think that it's true that, uh, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, it's true that um, uh, in many cases, um, you know, civil rights work, social entrepreneurship is not sort of designed to turn you into a multimillionaire. I mean, that's probably true, uh, but most things aren't. Um, and of course we live in a capitalist society, um, so, uh, and capitalism, those that, you know, familiar with it, typically, you know, you, if you, if you are going to become a millionaire, multi-billionaire, whatever, it's typically off of the labor of others. Uh, as which means there'll be only few of us statistically that will actually achieve that. So that's first thing. But then the next thing really is, I think, but there are spaces where and you can actually, you know, research this. And I have where folks are doing this work, but they're doing very well. Uh, I mentioned, um, well, yeah, I think in one of the previous posts about some of the legacy organizations, I said civil rights legacy organizations like NAACP, NAACP LDF, uh, um, the National Action Network, um, and then the National Urban League. If you check out their 990 filing, so 990, that's the form that you file if you're a 501c3 uh, charity with the IRS. And... um, you sort of report your um, um, you know, income and activities uh, and expenses, and one of the, and they're available. You know, most many nonprofits will just publish them anyway for their for the public to see and for their uh, of course their your donors to see. Uh, but you know, and you can also get them from the IRS, right? Because they're, they're filed publicly, right? Uh, so um, you know, you could see what the uh, administrators and uh, CEO and management executives of these organizations are making. And I can tell you, 
you know, and this is not to say, oh, you know, with the usual criticism of civil rights, oh, well, you know, they're just in it, you know, just to, you know, boost themselves up or they're not here to help the people. And I said, it's not that. I'm just making the point that there's a recognition that these are you know, large organizations, many of them that have thousands of employees or volunteers and with multiple chapters all across the country. And as a result, just like any other organization, um, you know, those executives receive, you know, just or equitable compensation. Uh, and so in, in the majority of them, I said, and I said the majority, so we're talking about, like I said, the large organizations, uh, the majority of their uh, executives have over six-figure salaries. And they should. They probably should get more than that, okay? Because it is important work. It is difficult work. And uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So I think that's the first thing is to talk about that. Yes, it is possible to do this work. It is possible to do this work um, and still, um, like I said, you know, earn a, a decent living. Those that, you know, certainly are interested in, in, in this work and thinking about career path, things like that. They gave some great, um, great advice. I really, you know, recommend you to check that out. Uh, but one of the things that struck me, she's, you know, <laughs> she said, which is true and for those, and of course, and not just the folks going to law school, but of course, you know, social entrepreneurs can come from any background, so can activists. But she said that her family's like, oh, you're going to law school, so you're going to be able to make all this money and pay everybody's bills. <laughs> and she said they were really upset when she, I guess they found out that she was going to do civil rights work. Um, but one of the things she said, and, and it's one, and I hope that, you know, it resonated with me and I think it resonates hopefully with, um, anyone else out there that, you know, that's the reason why she got into this work. It's funny, uh, Michael Cordex, who's, who's a, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he says he's an African, he's an attorney, <laughs> but really he's the angriest black man in America. Uh, and so, of course, as he says, you know, he it's a play on the if you remember with the if you're familiar with the famous James Baldwin quote, James Baldwin was probably the literary um, icon in terms of consciousness um, and African, African-American, you know, sort of thought um, in the uh, 60s and 70s. Uh, and, you know, he, you know, he talked about, you know, to be a black man in America, be relatively conscious, be in a constant state of rage. Um, and so that's what, of course, he's referring to. But what he said was, is it's interesting. He's, you know, you know, he went to law school. He went to, I think, Ohio State Law School. And he said uh, that uh, he thought that everybody, you know, he said, you know, he thought that all of the, you know, the black folks who went to law school were there to fight, you know, discrimination and racism. All the women who went to law school were there to fight gender you know, equality issues, all the disabled people that went to law school were there to fight disability issues, all the LGBTQ folks were there to fight, you know, those issues. And he realized when he got there that everybody was just there to make money. <laughs> and um and he was right. And and he said that just to become a part of the machine. And I think that's one of the things that they, they mentioned sort of in this in these series of of uh, webinars that they're doing with ABA is that's true. I mean, what ha there's a, and I think Susan Cartier Lebel talks about this, there's a tremendous push. And I know why they do it. I mean, it's just like anything else, but particularly for the law schools, there's a tremendous push for, you know, to go clerk for a judge, go, you know, 
old clerk for this huge firm and or go and and you know you know i don't know, join the justice department or whatever become the attorney general uh or, or you know become a judge become a da and all that's fine if that's what you want to do great but everybody doesn't want to do that but the, and so the issue is and this is one of the things that i i hope to be able to do with civil rights university so the issue is what's going to be the space for folks that don't want to do that now of course uh, in uh, S- uh, Susan Cartier-Lebel's case, right, she formed this um, solo practice university, right? And so solo practice university, of course, then deals with uh, and, and really providing that space for those that said, listen, you know, I don't want to go and build a million hours a year, um, and, you know, and, and just, you just don't want to do that. Hey, I want to do something else. And I think that that's true, and I think that for for many of them, I think that's what it highlights is that for those that do want to, and hopefully you know you do want to get into the activism space, um, you know, although you know traditional law schools don't have a lot of programs for you, there are some out there, and I think a good place to start are things like the ABA, certainly the ABA Civil Rights and Social Justice. I'll just tell you, just in the maybe last couple of years or so. I mean, just, I mean, not only CLE, obviously, but, you know, just the amount of content that they have has just been just eye-opening. Um, and I think, and then the other thing is, in particular, these webinars that they're doing, you actually, you know, they provide you with places to start. You know, one of the things, so this is sort of a part of this, too, in terms of, of figuring out, you know, what type of activism you want to do. I sort of realized, and I had never thought about this either, and I, because like, and in my case, it's a little bit different, like I said, you know, you know, I've done a lot of different things in practicing law. And one of the things that, but I never thought about or considered and what they broke down for me was this idea of, okay, you sort of got different pockets. And of course, you always have different issue areas, criminal justice reform, um, uh, you know, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, disability rights, okay. Uh, of course, you know, um, um, discrimination racial discrimination and others. Um, but, you know, it's sort of this, you know, impact litigation, right, which is sort of the, you know, class action, you know, you know, the big cases end up going to the Supreme Court or the Court of Appeals or the State Supreme Court or the Federal Court elsewhere and just kind of, you know, deal with these sort of wide-ranging issues. And then you have sort of, like I said, a policy work uh, which, of course, deals with sort of the legislative advocacy, getting laws changed, getting new laws on the books, getting old laws taken out, um, and, and also administrative actions. And then you sort of got the direct services. Uh, but I know for me, having gotten that um, perspective, my thought is is that I'm probably more uh, um, impact litigation, right? I think that for me, because you know, just based on you know, kind of what I like and, and, and what, I, what makes sense for me, the impact litigation is the, I guess, place that I feel like I could be most uh, most useful and, and, and probably um, and be most helpful. Um, now, a little bit of direct services. Of course, I did direct services for many years. Um, but, you know, so an example they gave there, I'm sorry, so for impact litigation, they talk about, you know, of course, like the ACLU, right, LDF, Legal Defense Education Fund, right? I mean, those, the impact, you know, um, yep, so, and there are other regional and local organizations that do that, but so those are the big ones, but that's just impact litigation. 
disability rights, um, lambda legal, okay. But uh, uh, but in terms, so that's that. Then you've got, like I said, that sort of policy um, uh, lawyering, and like I said, and, and and actually, interestingly enough, a lot of these organizations, Advancement Project, also have a policy arm too, and so does ACLU, right? So that's that. And of course, for me, the policy. I mean, I understand how important it is, but it's never kind of been for me. And then, of course, the direct services. An example they gave, quite obviously, direct services, things like legal legal aid, right? That's you know, and there are others. There are others that are sort of specific to, um, like I think uh, there was you know deals like was it family defense? I think where people have their you know family separate things like that. So, but but that's but I think those are good sort of examples about showing you not only the sort of different career paths that are available, but also kind of dividing them up and sort of allowing you to um, decide for yourself what your, um, you know, what what uh, area you like to to go into. So and then the other, um, I guess, uh, area, uh, if you will, in terms of um, sort of thinking about getting into this type of work, not only sort of the particular path that you want to take. And I think the other thing that came out of the other panel uh, was there really is no you know, linear, you know, set path to take. Um, more often it is sort of the collection of experiences and, 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 and things that you have under the circumstances. So what that means is, is that, um, you know, so, so you're, so, you know, that's kind of the situation in now. So what does that mean? So, um, now one of the things that of course we, you know, hope to be able to provide you with the Rice University is to give you a better idea. Cause I do think that one of the things that I have seen, and I think, and it's interesting because as, as I look at the questions that were raised in these panels, and I think one of the things that I have seen is that particularly again, for those that are newer to the space, I won't say, I won't say younger cause it's not, <laughs> but I say newer, to the space is that there really is no sort of consolidated, you know, central clearinghouse of information. And my hope is that, or that certainly the goal, the aim of Civil Rights University can be that. Um, and so if you want to, like I said, go into different, there are different types of activism. You've got grassroots, you've got, you know, local level, state level, national level. One of the things that, that also came out, I think it was in the first panel, or they were talking about how, in many cases, what happens is because everybody sees the folks that you know end up in D.C. and whatever. But a lot of things happen at the state and local level, um, and so then the sort of national folks sort of kind of feed off of that. So you know, you can be an activist in your own community. You can be an activist in your own area. Um, you can be an activist in your own state. Um, there are many. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, like I said. That, you know, there are too many, you know, uh, issue areas to name, right? Um, and so I think that, you know, I don't, I would also say don't ever be concerned about, you know, if you say, well, you know, there's already too many activists out there. No, 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 no. <laughs> One of the things that Dr. Greg Carr said, who's just, this, you know, I mean, I, you know, I put him up there with like a W.B. Du Bois, and he's a chair of the uh, history department at Howard University and adjunct professor at Howard University School of Law. One thing he talked about, and this is very interesting, he talked about, because they, they always ask the question, what did you wish you knew then, right? Yeah. And one of the things he said he wished he knew was about the commitment of sort of the adversary in this work. Um, and he mentioned that, you know, he was in law school, he was around a time when things like the Federalist Society showed up. 
And so the issue is, and I do think this is one thing that we, we want to make sure that you're aware of, is that, it's, you know, <laughs> there are, you know, way too many issues, way too many uh, uh, problems and circumstances you know, that exist to say that there's not enough room. There's room for everybody. And there's, and there's even, and, and you need even more people than that. Right. Um, and so I think that that's never the case that, well, somebody's already done that and you know, they do it. No, because the other thing is, and this is a, I think an important point too. And that's one of the things that I've sort of learned too, is you can carve out your own niche. And I think that's the other thing. Um, because you, and, that, and, and one of the things they kept saying in the panel was, well, you chart your own path. Um, and that's true. And I think that, you know, there are, there are all kinds of sort of, uh, intersections, um, you know, in terms of, you know, crossing different areas, crossing different, um, crossing different, um, uh, spaces, uh, crossing different issues, crossing different groups that you serve, right? Because of course, for instance, just as an example, but if you are, you know, female, and you are of color, African American, Latino, you know, uh, and perhaps are also a, a member of the LGBTQ community. So those are th- those are that's an intersection, right, of at least three different issue. I mean, groups, um, and so there you go. I mean, so there are all so you, so there are all kinds of um, um, intersections, and and the need is there, right? The need is there. Uh, the need is great. Um, and I think that what I hope to, you know, to, to put forth, particularly, like I said, in general, at Civil Rights University, but certainly in these episodes and the blog and other things that we do is that the need is great. Uh, there's a line in the, in the, uh, in the Bible that talks about, you know, the, the, uh, harvest are great, but the laborers are few. Um, and so, you know, that that's the case. One other thing that I remember, so it was a great Julian Bond who was very involved in SNCC, who in fact left college um, to join SNCC and, and, and begin his activism work, much like John Lewis and many others of that generation. Uh, but, uh, and, and later on was chairman of the NAACP. But he said, he, he spoke at when I was in college, and he said, uh, somebody asked him, well, when are you going to pass the torch? And what I remember is he said, listen, nobody passed the torch to us. No, that didn't happen. He said, when we got, you know, old enough, strong enough, and ready to, you know, grab the torch, we just grabbed it. Uh, the other thing, I think, at a re- the recent march on Washington, something that Joe Madison, the great Joe Madison, right, former, um, I think, chapter um, head in Detroit, I think, in NAACP, and, and certainly, you know, uh, Hall of Fame, right, radio host, uh, talked about that he wasn't giving his torch up, <laughs> you know, um, you get your own torch and he would have you like your torch, but he wasn't giving a torch. And so, so one of the uh, participants in their response to the question about what did you wish you knew then, they talked about the fact that they wish they knew that they could actually, you know, feel comfortable and do this work and be good at it and get to a space that worked for them. And I think that's important too. I think that's one of, that is a huge part of it because I think, man, again, hopefully, you know, we can help with this, but you know, it is, it does feel like a vacuum. Sometimes it does feel like, you know, like I said, because again, 
there are a lot of resources, there are a lot of focus, particularly, you know, I just use the example of law school, but it's not the only place, on, hey, you know, get the, get that clerkship, get that summer internship at the big firm, you know, and and so, yeah, that, and that's, that's real, but I still think you can carve out your own space, um, and I think this space is a great one to be in, um, and I think that, you know, you should, you should remember, one of the things I heard, um, I think Al Sharpton say just, just uh, recently, as, you know, he, as I guess a young guy asked him a question, and he reflected on it, and he, and he said over there, and he's, you know, one of the things that happens is, he's no matter what you choose, and this is what I've learned the hard way, there will be opposition, <laughs> hey, I mean, I, you know, there will be opposition, stiff opposition, uh, but, but the point is not the opposition, the point is to figure out, you know, where you're supposed to be despite the opposition. And I think that that's the other thing that, and it takes time. I think, you know, it's okay if you don't know right away, particularly, and, I, and in this case, I will say if you're younger, haven't had a lot of exposure, um, you know, that's okay. And, and it can change. Um, I think, you know, people pivot all the time. It's a great book by, I think, Jennifer Blake. Um, used, to be work, used to work at Google about pivot. That's the name of it. Um, so people pivot all the time. Um, and, and I think in this course, this environment, you know, being able to pivot is a great thing. Um, so I do think that that's, that that's okay. Uh, but I think, again, the point is that, you know, there are paths out there, there are organizations, you know, there are fellowships that like there never used to be, okay? There are internships, there are externships, there are some paid, some not. Um, you can just shadow someone. Um, that is certainly, you can do informational interviews. One of the things, one of the folks that I have mentored previously, um, you know, and actually I was a guest on my, uh, podcast, I think the second episode, informational interviews, huge, I mean, just a, almost an un, I mean, I said, you said, know, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's a best kept secret almost. That if you call people up and ask them about themselves, very seldom <laughs> do they decline to do that. Because people just, you know, everybody's full of themselves. Uh, but they'll tell you, hey, this is what I did. This is what I didn't do. I think that's one of the advantages of things like podcasts, things like that, is because you get to see people's experience and hear their experience and learn from that. Um, so there are all kinds of ways to do it. Um, but like I said, I think the main thing is just to sort of, you know, if you want to be activists, civil rights, attorneys, or even a social entrepreneur, I think you do it. One of, one of the social entrepreneurs that I um, uh, have become aware of, and actually, I think I saw it on a commercial one time, but it's the, um, Emily Hunt Turner who has this um, organization called All Square. And it's just interesting to hear uh, her talk about how, you know, she, you know, she, and she did the, you know, she, you know, I think she's an architect, and then she went to uh, got a master's in public policy, then went to law school. And it's just interesting because you know she 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 said you know and she and she did work for five years I think in housing, um at, at Hood actually, and and she started talking about hey you know this just isn't right <laughs> you know she and and particularly her area is of course dealing with criminal justice reform so her company also it's a Right now, it's in Minneapolis, but it's oh, it was in, excuse me, in Minnesota. I think it's in Minneapolis, but it's Minnesota. Well, I think it's Minneapolis. But uh, it's basically a grilled cheese restaurant 
And it also provides um, an institute and fellowship for people who are formerly incarcerated. And they actually hire people formerly incarcerated and they go through the program. And, you know, she just talked about how, you know, which is true, <laughs> you know, and it, and it is, it, I mean, it, anyone that's familiar with the criminal justice knows this about how, you know, no one would believe that, you know, you know, someone, however it happened. Now, of course, in this country, we can talk about this in another episode, but, you know, someone has an interaction with the criminal justice system and it becomes a, a, a burden for life. And it was interesting. She talked about how even when she told other folks, they couldn't believe it. Like, there's, oh, no, that's, no, that's not right. It's, no, it's not possible. But it is. Okay. Um, and so, actually, in, in recent, uh, and on that point, it was a recent victory in that area, in that space in North Carolina, because recently a three-judge panel just ruled that, it, and, it, and this is an important point, which, like I said, we'll have probably an episode just for voting rights later, but... You know, in North Carolina, and this is true in a lot of states, particularly in the South, which is, again, why, hey, you know, we need to, you know, John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed and those things. But where people had served their time, no longer in prison, no longer in jail, working, contributing, but couldn't vote. And every time what would happen is, and they would play this game, and you got to do this, you got to do that, and can't do that. So finally, recently, I think it was a couple weeks ago, three-judge panel rules said no. If you are not serving time for a felony in prison, you can vote. <laughs> you can register and you can vote. That's a huge victory. Uh, we, I think uh, you may already be familiar with the uh, ballot. And this was actually the voters in the state of Florida that actually voted and said, listen, <laughs> these folks have served their time. They need to be able to vote. Okay, so, I mean, again, I just use it as an example. Like they're, they're all, as you can there are all kinds of... Um, 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 examples of work. And, and speaking of, you know, that victory was done by a guy named Daryl Atkinson, who himself had been the victim and in interacted from justice. But he, and this is one of the reasons why he's into that work, because he talked about, obviously, he got out, went to undergrad, went to law school, became a lawyer, practiced civil rights law for many years. And of course, now he's with this organization co-founded, he co-founded Forward Justice. <laughs> Again, as you, you begin, I think, to see that there are, there are a lot of avenues, a lot of ways to get into this space. Uh, and so, again, I encourage you to, you know, you know, recognize that, know the need is there. You can get in there. Be willing to. One of the things they talked about is using Google, using cold calling, using informational interviews, using, um, you know, any other networks, obviously, networking using volunteering, okay, because all of the organizations need volunteers. Um, and so those are ways that you can begin to work yourself into that space. And I think I'm actually going to take advantage of um, some of those things as well. But I think that's, again, I think what happens is, and so I guess the sort of the main point of this uh, episode is to understand that just because the focus, and the emphasis and all of the, you know, noise, if you will, um, is about other types of areas. Doesn't mean that there's not a space for you, there's not a place for you in the activism area, civil rights activism area, and in the area uh, of social entrepreneurship. And actually, social entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship is actually becoming a, even more and more. 
Um, I think it's people sort of are waking up for, for various reasons, of course, last year and all those things. But, you know, I think they're, they're realizing that, again, you know, something's got to be done and they're taking it upon themselves. Now, like I said, so I do want to make this point. Now, of course, you can, um, you know, form your own organization or create your own entity, uh, create your own enterprise. Or, like I said, there are positions. One of the things I've seen, I can tell you this, um, particularly, again, for those that are either, you know, new career, looking to change. Uh, there are many organizations, particularly, um, well, I, I've seen where I've seen it, where they are looking for, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, officers, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, an organization really looking at that. And so a lot of these positions are even looking at folks, you know, sort of examining, you know, uh, their products, their programs, their processes, if you're, and many of them are government agencies. Uh, or local municipalities where they are uh, actually, um, they are actually, um, um, you know, having people to fill this particular role, right? Where they're looking at, because I think, again, I think that, you know, and, and it's obviously it's sad that, it, you know, everything that happened last year happened and, and the things that are continuing to happen. But I do think that people are recognizing that at some point, and not just at some point, of course, in this country, if you had a historical perspective, it's sort of always sort of run through, um, is that there's, there's been this great divide. Like there's been this great, um, you know, d division between those that go this way and those that go that way. And I think they're looking at that. So there are positions. I've, I've seen them every day where folks are, are, you know, having folks come in as sort of a, like I said, diversity, inclusion. You know, so those, again, those are, those are all... Um, you know, you know, viable opportunity. So that's what there's a space out there. Um, so if you choose, you know, make a career uh, in this space, and of course that's possible as well. Uh, so uh, I do want to, uh, like I said, make sure that that you know we get that again. There is space for you. There is uh, space uh, in this um, place for you, and in the civil rights activism space. Um, and so I hope certainly you will uh, undertake uh, it is a very rewarding career. It's a very rewarding experience. Um, there's a lines of movie uh, that uh, it's really good. It's called a Christmas choir. It's, it's a true story. It's about um, this accountant that started this choir for um, homeless folks. And one of the things that um, that it was a lot of great um, lines in the movie, but one of them is real Perlman plays this nun. And she asked the guy, you know, she's, <laughs> and so she said, well, what do you think the purpose of life is? He's like, wait a minute, what are you saying? And she's like, to be useful, right? That's the purpose, to be useful. Um, and so I think that, you know, obviously that's a good point um, that, you know, of course, in this space, being useful, being helpful, um, you can do that. And like I said, you can, you can have a career, you can have a, uh, an organization, you can have an enterprise out of that as well. Hey, thank you again for tuning in to our latest episode of Civil Rights University. This is Brian Leonard, founder of Civil Rights University uh, and host of the Civil Rights University podcast. Hope you really enjoyed uh, the episode. Um, and uh, remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, or you can also listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts. 
And also make sure you go to our website, civilrightsuniversity.com, if you like more content like this, um, and to also sign up about other things that we can provide um, and to be notified when those things are available. Uh, again, um, we uh, appreciate your support, and um, uh, we uh, ask you, and, and we support you, and salute you, and uh, as go forward in your civil rights and social justice activism. Until next time, this is Brian Leonard uh, with Civil Rights University and the Civil Rights University Podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you.